0: Get it all, fed it off, set it off. get it it off, cut it off, get it it it's me.
1: It's me. It's, me. it's me. I ain't doing nothing but talking shit. So y'all gotta like, you know, encourage me the whole way long. Ow. I ain't doing nothing but talking shit. So y'all gotta like, you know, encourage me the whole
2: way The whole way long. Say, ow, what's poppin' y'all? Kamichiwa, como esta mi gente? Yeah, you're listening to the incomparable Nestorius Public Radio.
3: This is Michael Chickless and you're listening
2: to Nestorius Public Radio. Damn right you are. My name is Nestor Rodriguez. I'm your host, also known as...
0: Nestorius, the glorious, the man of the hour, the man of power, the one you need to see. Check your
2: tape, your floppy disk, or your CD. The wiggy wee, the OPP, the one, two, three. You know what I'm saying? The you wish you was me. The yeah. you ain't here, so take a pee. The you can't, you don't, you won't stop. <laughs> Say what?
0: I Call the cops to get us off your block.
2: Right off the bat, that's my man Simon Kaufman. Yes, sir. And uh, to my left, we got my main Negrozoid, Richard Corbin. Hello, everybody. That's right. (laughs) That's right. And today we have back for the second time uh, the amazing, uh, prolific, scientific, ilbonic, bubonic, don't stop the hypersonic, Rosemary Rodriguez, Director Rosemary Rodriguez. What's up, baby? Yo, what's up? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, yo, right off the bat, if you want, you go to livestream.com, uh, live livestream.com, or uh, you can check out the show. But you know, better yet, go to skidrosestudios.com. There's a little link up there. You can hit livestream, and you can check us out live, man. Video, oh, 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 oh. Live and direct. Wreck, 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 wreck. 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 Wrecked. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and if you're at home and you happen to do your underwear and your dry cleaning and you went out and did your groceries and you paid all your bills, you can call 1-800-893-9562 because we're live and we'll be taking ca- uh, calls and all sorts of shit. We have a fun show today. Um, we had Rosemary Rodriguez, who also happens to be my better half. Uh, and I mean that uh, sincerely. I just banged into the. Uh, the and I uh, can vouch for that. I just banged into the fucking the the spring of the microphone. That shit sounded dope. Anyway, we're just going to go off. But seriously, we're going to keep the A.D. We're going to keep the A.D. Dophilus, you know what I'm saying, from Metropolis on the show. Support
0: for NPR is brought to you by the makers of Ritalin, providing (laughs) drugs for your children at an early age.
2: That's right. That's right. So, yo, so as I was saying, my better half, uh, Rosemary Rodriguez, and she's she's an amazing director. We're going to talk about uh, female directors. We're going to talk about directing, and we're going to talk about... The early uh, uh, history of women in film in Hollywood Because there's a lot of uh, interesting tidbits And also we're going to talk about Rosemary's current project Of which I am the executive producer One of a bunch of producers that are helping uh, get this project off the ground uh, Silver Skies Which is a film about uh, an over 55 apartment complex That's being taken over Uh, Or rather sold for condominiums And these people are going to get displaced And it's kind of like a story about that But it's also a story of the characters Once you get to a certain age How no one gives a shit What do you do with your life Blah 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 You know most of us old fucks out there We don't think about this shit But we're, we're all getting there And you know there comes a point in our life Where you know What you gonna do Rich you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you got to think about it, right? What you are gonna do? Anyway, this movie this movie um, 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 gives you a little insight as to that and makes you laugh and all that stuff. So tell, tell, tell us a little bit about that, the, real real quick about your movie, Rosemary. All right. Well,
1: thanks for giving me the opportunity to promote our movie. Um, little self promotion
4: going on.
2: Big the fuck up to all that motherfucker that won free promotion on the NPR show. <laughs>
1: We've been working on this for a long time. Um, this script was written uh, with the help of my sister, Pat Delaney. Pat Delaney. Um, Big
2: up, Pat Delaney.
1: We we started writing it, and then on my third episode of directing television, I met Dennis Farina. Mm. And it was a, the late
2: Dennis Farina. And
1: it was a really really hard job. Mm-hmm. Um, Law and Order. Yeah, I wasn't gonna name it. What no, I'm gonna hell? name. I'm
2: gonna name. It was the original. The 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 original Law and Order. The mothership. No, the mothership. Right. I call it the mothership. Right. Yeah. Right. The mothership. I'd call it mother something. The mothership. It's like. <occurs> That's the mothership. <laughs> All right, dun dun
1: dun That is uh, believed in me at a time when I was questioning whether I should even be a director um, because I was getting beat up so badly. Okay,
2: can I interject because I know all about that? No, no, I know all about that. Well, I know all about that shit. She's being very kind because she doesn't want to harm certain innocent people or whatever. But But that's what we do. Right, we that's why it. we harm the innocent. <laughs> that's why I come in. That's why I come in. Uh, what basically happened was there was a uh, showrunner there who was a douchebag, and he gave my wife a hard time because she's a woman, and of course she's a woman director, so she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing, right? So we need to just jump in her face and tell her what to do with stank breath and and you know how to do it. We kn- we know how to do it, and we can show you how to do it. And so basically, Rosemary would come home really upset and beat down, as if her fucking job is isn't hard enough, blah, blah, blah. And Dennis Farina was kind of like...
1: Dennis Farina, after my third day um, of shooting, he I, I went in the morning and he was there and he said to me, I called everybody. I told them they got to have you back. You're great, whatever. And he became my friend, of course, at that point. So we stayed, we stayed friendly for years. Um, I showed him the script at some point. He believed in it. He tried to introduce me to a lot of people, helped me try to get money, and we just stayed in touch for years. And then I picked a start date uh, in July, um, the early July of when we would start shooting.
2: Of 2013, this year. Yeah,
1: I picked the start date of September 9th with him based on his availability. And uh, July 22nd, he passed away. So now the film is dedicated to him. Um, Oh, that's great. It also stars Jack McGee.
2: Jack McGee, who was on our show a couple times.
1: Jack McGee from Rescue Me. From and Africa. Rider. From Africa. Yeah, Africa. <laughs> and George Hamilton. Fucking it, We got George. We got George Hamilton. We got Big George up. Hamilton. Hey. Big the fuck up, George
2: Hamilton.
1: George Floyd, George. I'm going to meet him tomorrow. I know. I'm really I know. Excited. We must be related
0: because my peoples come from Hamilton. <laughs> Later on in the show or you got to play that Jack McGee plug. For I, will, the I will, I
2: will, I will. From the safari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I
0: saw Jack McGee uh, playing racquetball at, uh, what's that, LA Fitness? Is that what it's called? Yeah, a-
2: yeah, yeah. He's up there.
0: Yeah, I went to go check it out. On I Coldwater. Got a, I got a little password. Yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On no, Coldwater. Yeah, 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 yeah. On uh,
2: Sepulveda. Yeah. Oh, play- oh, you're talking about the one, the one that Rich goes to? Yeah. Yeah, Sepulveda and, and Victory across the street from Costco.
0: Yeah, there he was playing racquetball. <laughs> Could you imagine that shit? Leprechaun
3: motherfucker playing <laughs> racquetball. You know That's what I'm
2: saying? Funny. Big up, Jack McGee, you racquetball-playing motherfucker.
3: There's, there's, a story, there's a little mini story with that, because uh, Trish started playing racquetball. Well, oh, Trish yeah, plays, yeah, yeah. Trish plays racquetball. Yeah, She's really yeah, good. Yeah. She's really good. I used to uh, play before. Don't you have to shoulder. be a senior
0: citizen and a stockbroker at some point to like, <laughs> play racquetball? Uh,
3: no, because I, I was playing. I, I was pretty good. I busted my head open a really? few times on the wall, diving for the ball instead. So I was really aggressive. But anyways, about Trish. So she was playing with with the group, but Jack, she played like once or twice before Jack showed up to play. And they're like, oh, wow, she's really good. Like, all right, when Jack comes... You know Jack's coming next Wednesday, so when he comes, you gotta like play, you know, play like really like I'm a girl, like yeah, I don't know how to play, uh, you know, play with your left hand.
2: Get you know, to the right? point. She beat the shit out of him. No,
3: well, you know, so she told like, me. The
1: is they listen.
2: set
3: him up. It's a story, so you gotta tell it. All right. <laughs> you racquetball hustle, Jack. All right, but, but, but what do you but, want me
2: to? You want the cliffs notes? Uh, no, but this he story- doesn't
1: like stories that go in a straight line. Yeah, yeah. This
2: show. No, but the thing <laughs> is, this, this show's not about racquetball and bitches beating <laughs> listen, fucking horny Jack fucking Irish guys.
3: He got really pissed because Trish played like kind of kind of low, you know, the first couple of up to about eight points, and then she turned it on and and just killed. So you pool shark Jack McGee in racquetball? Well,
2: she did. That's right. She did. It was hilarious. I'm I'm trying got, to find that really fucking upset. Jack McGee clip of him going Nesta, this is me in Africa. <laughs> anyway, I'll find that later. Anyway, continue, Rosemary. Okay, so George then, Hamilton George plays Hamilton. a character
1: who goes in and out of thinking that he's. He's Dean Martin. He has Alzheimer's. He's playing he's, Phil. He's, he's playing Phil, right. um, who is roommates with Jack McGee's character Nick. Nick, right? Who's named after my father. And then we have Valerie Perrine, who's playing Ethel.
2: Uh, Jack, uh Valerie Perrine played, She was in Super Superman. And she she was uh, the wife played of
1: Honey, uh, opposite Dustin Hoffman and Lenny Bruce. And Lenny Bruce, yeah. And Lenny. And Lenny.
2: And Lenny. And also she played uh, W.C. Field's wife, which we just saw the biopic, which is interesting. Uh, So again, who else do we have?
1: Uh... Who else do we
2: have? Yeah, who Mr. else do we Mr.
0: Rodriguez at craft services extraordinaire. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we have
1: some... Well, we're still casting. We're, we're still, still casting. Well, um, well let's run down. We have down. some great um, producers working with us, yeah. like Fred Roos, who's yeah. producer of the Godfather movies. Fred Roos, um, Fred Roos. And we have Arthur Sarkisian, who's producer of
2: the Russian hey! movies. Big up, Arthur! You crazy motherfucker! Big up, Fred Roos! I call Fred Roos... Fred the Rooster. He doesn't know that, but now you do. You know what I mean? But Fred Rooster's old school, man. Francis Ford Coppola's yep. homeboy yep. and uh, Arthur Sarkeesian. And we have
1: D Street Films. D Street Films. And we Rico got, and
2: Demetrius. Yeah. And we got a lot of good people helping us out. We got Trish. We got Trish Gilfone on the motherfucking product placement knocking shit out the park. She came in today to the production office with boxes of shit. like oh, nice. Crazy boxes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, she. I'm telling you, she, she's she's something else. Anyway, so so do we have anybody else?
1: Not right
2: now. Not right now. Okay, but in the past week, in the past week, mm-hmm. you've had face to face meetings with Jacqueline Bissett yeah. at her home, yeah. right? Yeah. So basically, you started out uh, trying to get obviously since you had Dennis Farina attached, you were trying to get as many old school Hollywood a list. You know, ABC. A lot of the
1: characters we're shooting out in L.A. We're shooting in Sherman Oaks, and so some of the characters, one of them, you know, works at a was a guard at a studio.
4: Right. Um.
1: You know, Ethel played a character whose background who never quite made it. Okay. Um. She ended up waiting tables. Okay. So there are people that have a history in Hollywood. So I kind of wanted to get actors that you know it's a tough business, and so people that have survived and been through it. And anyone that's been in this business as long as, for example, Valerie and George Hamilton, mm-hmm. they've mm-hmm. been through it, man. 40 years, 30 years in this business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've yeah. survived. Yeah. And they're still open and they're willing to show up for this little tiny movie. Yep. And for a director they don't really know. Right. And it's pretty but amazing. You're being,
2: but you're me. blessed. You're being blessed. You're, you, you got the blessings from The Godfather. You know yes, what I mean? Yes. You got. You basically have Fred Ruse, who yeah. Fred Roos calls any casting director, any agent, because since he, you know he's old school. You know Francis Ford Coppola, Godfather, one and two and three.
0: At one point he will he will call upon you for a favor.
2: No 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 no! no. I'm I'm just saying I'm just saying. (laughs) I wanted to get to this. So and you had a phone call with Lily Tomlin. I want you to play the phone call. You have you have the you have the voicemail. This is Lily 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 Tomlin. Fucking Lily Tomlin! I'm gonna big you the fuck up, Lily Tomlin. Big up! You know who Lily Tomlin is? Everybody knows. Lily Tomlin is a fucking phenomenal comedian amazing artist actor she's an amazing actor and a huge huge human being okay so rosemary uh, gets the script to lily tomlin and of course arthur um 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 fred Roos, fred Roos's name helps and all this other stuff um if if, if do you have do you have it on
1: I gotta see if I have
2: it. Okay, so so gets the name and gets the script to her. I, can, I have it. Okay, I can give you this. I can give you this plug. You can p- plug this in, if you want, and just uh, play I it right in it. there. Yeah,
0: just just. So is Lily gonna be in this or no? We're not no, no, sure, no. Or? Listen, listen, no, to listen to this. No,
1: Lily's schedule is just to, is booked. Um, yeah, I see. But it's pretty amazing. It might be she, a little loud, but we'll figure a, it out. She's a grace, gracious, amazing woman um, that took the time to read it in a
2: really short time. Play it, play it, play it. Bam, bam. bam bam. bam bam. Rosemary,
4: it's Willie.
3: You might have to take it out of the
1: case. Oh I do.
3: Yeah, because the case is um stopping the Take it out, out of the case. In.
1: Okay, hold on.
2: Yeah. She's fucking iPhones. Fucking take it out the case, Rick. Take it out the case. Take it out the case. case Rick. Rick.
0: Take, take it out the, the case, case, Rick.
1: Rick. It. Take it out of the case. Take it out the case, Rick. Take
0: it out the case.
4: Here we go, ready? <laughs> Alright. Rosemary, it's Willie. You know, I didn't call yesterday because I was busy all day. And then, uh, I mean, in meetings, I tried to. Uh, but I finally was able to read the script this morning, finish it. And I, the script is so uh, so sweet and warm and funny and 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 moving, too. So, But, I, you know, I, I sent you that schedule, and I'm sorry it's taking me this long. I would love to work with you, and I hear some good things about you from other people. Uh, I just feel like I can't take it on with uh, everything that I have going on at the moment. And I have a a big October as well, so I need this time to get ready for that, Rosemary. I'm so sorry. I hope you have someone uh, in mind that you've got already and you're not stretched down to the wire. I really apologize. I, I, um, I just don't think I can do it. I'll be looking forward to seeing it, that's for sure, because it's really charming and uh, and rich. Anyway, bless you. I uh, hope it all goes well.
2: Bye-bye. <laughs> Let me get that plug. Let me get that plug.
4: I just think that
1: was really classy and really generous, and it says a lot about who Lily Tomlin is.
2: That's just the price is wrong. I had to play that because it's a it's a downer because I hear I heard the message and I'm thinking is she going to say yeah? And then she, she says he says all that stuff when you play this and she goes, "I'm really sorry." But you know what? Lily Tomlin is a classy human being, okay? Not not a classy woman, she's a classy human being. Um, you know, you read about people who especially they say Hollywood this, Hollywood that. I mean, a lot of people took the time to meet with Rosemary, especially Jacqueline Bissett. I mean, if you don't know who Jacqueline Bissett is, Google Jacqueline, Class Act. Uh, uh, um, she, she had Rosemary over on Saturday. They had a two-hour-long conversation. She honestly— People have
1: various reasons um, right. why they're not going to— you know, no, their no, no. schedule not permitting, and this is all happening last minute. What happened is we're going to be shooting at the Horace Hyde Estates. Horace Hyde
2: Estates, hold on a second. Big up to Kay Butterfield. <laughs> big fuck up to Horace Hyde Estates, man! <laughs> <laughs> Your big band playing, motherfucker! Big up! You're big up! Big up to Kay Butterfield! What's up, mommy? What's up, baby? That's my girl right there, Kay. Kay's a sweetheart. Big so we band. had to wait
1: to get the location before we could really start getting it out to actors. So everything's happened very fast, and all the actors, you know, we're trying to get people in their seventies and.
2: Well, you know, it's
0: such a it's such a telling, uh, you know, of how great the movie's going to be that all these people are, you know, giving it their blessing because you know there's so many movies nowadays that are just sound effects, car crashes, right, right, guys on steroids, right. You know, Tom shots to, to have a film to have something that actually you know
2: has a story. Put,
0: thank you, you with know, real yeah. people. There's just not enough of that. And, yeah. you know, the theme of the 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 show today is female directors. And I think that as we can start to greenlight more female directors and give more female directors the chance to take the ball and run with it, we're going to get more real-life story movies versus just, you know... Come shots. You know, yeah, spaceships crashing. I mean, <laughs> how many fucking, like, the world is going to end movies do we need? Yeah. I mean, there's... So- end the you- world already if it's going
2: to fucking end. Well, Don't I'm tease happy, us with I'm it. I'm
1: happy to direct one of those movies, though, having said that. What? We just don't get that much opportunity right. to direct those movies. Right. But if they allow, if they hired us, right. I'd be happy to direct one right. of those. Movies. No, I understand. Yeah, but then
3: when they try to interject like a love scene in the end of the world movie, it'll actually be something because they, they try and throw these like just loose, thin like. You know they, they're trying to make it everything, and it's just like just make it an end of the world movie. You don't nobody loves anybody when the world is ending. They're all yeah. like climbing on top of each other.
2: Well, it's very interesting that you said <laughs> that you said um, you know uh, green light, and then interesting that you said Rosemary that you would be happy to direct Kumquat Part 3 uh, in 3D. Yeah, the and, zombies
0: and attack Predator versus Aliens, yeah, yeah. Terminators, 17,000. Yeah,
2: assholes and chitlins in space. Part Transformers 3. Transformers 97. In fucking Vibration-ton. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, vi- <laughs> vibration Yeah, your are will fucking... Vo- anyway, so, yeah, it's interesting that you say that because, I mean, I, you know... I studied acting. I studied two and a half years of Meisner technique in New York City. I've done stand-up comedy. I've auditioned for uh, TV shows, comedies, episodics, uh, a lot of commercials. God knows, I've auditioned for a lot of fucking commercials, right? I've I've been lucky. Was hey, enough-
1: Nestor in acting school? <laughs> every week
4: he would, be, he would be no, protesting
1: her... he would be protesting something so every week every week that was his core was like injustice anger. and protesting anger so, was my core. Anger. so right. every week he'd, he'd be putting something on his face or so getting some gathering some props together be like what are you doing this week I don't know I'm gonna go in I'm gonna tell him so he was always protesting well every but before you go week. into protesting that
2: was awesome as though. an actor you're, you're trained <laughs> and one of the things you have to learn is what you're thematic chord is what's the thing that really sets you off once you know that as an actor then you know what characters you can play what characters and what circumstances you can play more easily what was what was your chord? Well, my my thematic chord was injustice. That was pretty much it. That's the thing that'll get me fucking going in two or three seconds. I mean, 0
0: you're taking it to the people on the story public radio, right? Right, right, On your dot com. Yeah, yeah. The people, the
2: people, the people, the
0: people, the people, the people, the people, the people, the people, the
2: people, the 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 people, people, the the people, the people, the the do when you're studying Meisner is that you have to have uh, an activity that you're doing. This is in the beginning of Meisner. We're going to go all over the place here. But you have an activity that you're doing and then somebody comes to the door. It's called the door exercise. Somebody knocks on the door and it's, it, what, it's what, what the exercise is designed to do is so that if you really listen and you really respond to the other actor, then... Uh, the 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 scene will organically escalate and eventually some, you'll be thrown off your guard and something will happen. It's being it's teaching you that it's teaching you how to create you know organically create behavior. Right? Uh, Sanford Meisner's definition of acting was uh, living truthfully under imaginary circumstances.
1: So in Silver Skies, Nestor's going to play a part of a racetrack manager. A racist. Who- there's a Hollywood <laughs> racetrack because, because the story about an apartment complex that's being turned into condominiums and it's largely about working class people, real people. Um, one of the characters that Jack McGee plays, he still works at the racetrack. Mm-hmm. Um, like my dad worked at the racetrack selling programs. Right, right. And so that's what that's what Nick does. So um, horse racing? Yes, yeah. horse okay. racing. Yeah. So, so Hollywood racetrack... Thoroughbred is, is, horse racing. Yes, yeah, so Hollywood racetrack is actually being torn down in December. Hollywood racetrack. Um, and they're putting up condominiums. So the character uh-huh. that Nestor is going to be playing is a racetrack manager that goes in. They have this bathroom there because it, it, back in the day... Which, Hollywood Racetrack was built by some of the... Hollywood Studios. Yeah. Yeah. And... I was... I'm getting rich. i Google that. Their history is basically they had like 80,000 people every weekend. So there's a bathroom in there that I have a picture of that literally has 50 urinals in it.
3: 50 Uh, urinals? Damn, that's a lot of pain. My
1: goal, if 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 they'll work with me, is to get a scene in there where Jack is in there. And part of the deal at the racetrack and my dad worked there is that... They weren't allowed, it was all old guys selling the programs, but they weren't allowed to go to the bathroom. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so they have to stand there. So if you got them out, some of them literally peed like behind the booth. Right. And some of them- These are see, older dudes, man. You see when they walked around. And they were disgusting. getting paid like it's nothing. It's fucked up.
2: It's fucked up. They it's were disgusting. getting abused. This so. is true. And you know, they get paid fucking below minimum wage. This is true. This, my so, my, my, see, my father-in-law sold programs, racing fucking programs. Where, in L.A.? No, 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 in, in, in Florida, Florida. There were Florida. two tracks. One one track, Gulfstream played, uh, had uh, tr- uh, races between January. January and let's say uh, June and then there's a there's a there's
1: Calder Hialeah anyway so so Jack is a character that's in the bathroom he go he's relieving the other guys and then he comes to the bathroom himself and the manager played by Nestor comes in and fires him and tells him you can't look out for those other guys you you're breaking the rules too many times you got to get out so again the core of injustice like comes and so I think Nestor's gonna knock out that scene
2: you are a fucking loser (laughs) You should and be pissing in the fucking sink, you fucking. I remember one time, dude. I got this. I
0: took this job at this hotel in Seattle, and I came. It was my first, day, first and only day, and I found out we can't take a leak in the bathrooms. We have to go across to the Starbucks. I was like, uh, I'm leaving. Peace.
1: <laughs> I, worked
2: on, I, worked in, I worked in construction in New York as an electrician, and I don't know if you guys know, uh, they don't have bathrooms in new fucking buildings when they're being when, when they're going up on the ground, right? Sure. It's just concrete slabs and stuff like that. So they basically build these shanties with latrines in them, and it's the most disgusting, vile, fucking place anybody could ever go to urinate or defecate, okay? Sorry to say that. On top of that, there's racial epitaphs, fucking swastikas, all sorts of shit. So not only do I gotta sit in a fucking 12-inch by 12-inch cubicle that smells like rhinoceros ass, I gotta fucking read and look at swastikas. And, and you know, I used to say, you know what, fuck that. I'm going, they usually, I worked in Midtown, and I go to a hotel, and I used to wear coveralls. So... Underneath, when I took my coveralls, I'd look normal, not like these fucking bums that, that would work there. They'd go to work in jeans or whatever, get all dirty and get on the train looking like, you know, they went through a fucking dust blizzard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd, I'd have coveralls and I'd just take my fucking coveralls off and I'd walk out go into a hotel and, and and use the bathroom like a fucking human being and then come back and put my coveralls on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And many times I'd, I'd get in trouble. I'd be, they'd be like, Where, where'd you go? Uh, I went to shit like a fucking real person yeah. in a real toilet bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah. This
1: is shit, the, the, the it's just shit. Like it's okay to put swastikas on, all over a bathroom because he showed me pictures. I got pictures of it. Of this like shit. That swastikas yeah. all over the bathroom on uh, the construction yeah. site. But if he goes across the street to a decent bathroom, he gets shit.
0: Yeah, it. I went to shit like a free American.
2: I, not for nothing, but I refuse. I mean, you know, we're I'm, gonna
1: make a movie about that someday. Well, yeah, the construction but, I mean, industry. I, I,
2: I don't. I mean, I'm not uptight about race and stuff like that. But when you start putting fucking certain things on 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 the wall. You know, I, I'm not dealing with it. anyway. Back.
1: You should read this scene.
2: The Silver Skies. We're gonna read this scene right read now. The scene? Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on a right. second. Let's not get too crazy with the scene. <laughs> what,
0: where was the inspiration for the movie? That's Thank what you. I want to know.
2: Thank you.
1: That's a good question. The inspiration is because I grew up. Um, uh, this, I think, this is the inspiration, is that I grew up. Uh, my parents adopted me, and they were always older. So I'm, I'm pretty old. So back in the day, when, when I was adopted. You're pretty old? When I was adopted, people didn't, my mother had me, adopted me when she was 42. But now that's common. Like the last 10 years or so, that's common. Back then it wasn't. So I kind of grew up feeling parents. Did like you I say common?
3: Peace, this is common. And right now you're checking out Nestoria's public radio. Y'all stay in tune. Love. That's right.
1: Yeah, I have a common wannabe in my movie because common passed. Well,
2: let's go anyway, back. But I love common. <laughs> Hold yeah. I the love best. I love common. But, but, <laughs> but, 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 but we're going to go real back. He he's asking you about that. So, I think it's because I've always had an affinity for older people right, right. because
1: I always have an affinity like Nestor regarding injustice. I always have an affinity or a desire to tell to, to, for the underdog. And
0: well, you know, like kids nowadays, you know, we're in this such a new what's new, what's new that nobody, you know, seems seems to care about a elderly people. And also you know, some of the people that we wanted to get to later on in the show, some of the early female directors, kids nowadays don't know that.
2: Nobody knows that. Fucking uh, well, kids nowadays don't know that. Motherfuckers don't even know what the Holocaust was. What are you talking about? Filmmakers. They don't even yeah. know what fucking. People wh- don't even know who Big Daddy Kane is. People don't even know what Snoop Dogg is. People don't even know who Run-DMC well, is. Snoop I mean, now. you know what I mean? Shit. Yo, but you, you Googled Hollywood racetrack. Could yeah. you tell me, like, give me a summary of who started, who put it together? I believe it was a couple of Hollywood studio heads because they had some beef with Santa Anita racetrack and they couldn't do something there. And they said, fuck you, we're going to build our own.
3: Right. Something like that. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see here. The track was opened in 1938 by the Hollywood Turf Club. The racetrack was designed by noted racetrack architect Arthur Froelich. So it's a fucking historical, yeah, b- a building. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, from- it's beautiful It's chairman was uh, was was Harry Warner of Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. That's right. And its six hundred shareholders included Hollywood luminaries, including another brother, ba- uh, yeah, brother Brand, Jack Warner, Harry Warner, Al Jolson, Raul Walsh, uh, were members of the founding board of directors. Fatty uh, Arbuckle, Charlie, Charlie Chaplin, Leroy, yeah, <clears throat> Errol Flynn. Mervyn you know what I mean. was a director from 1941 to 87. Hollywood Park closed from 42 to 44 due to World the War the II. war, yeah. right.
1: mm-hmm.
3: Where it was uh, used as a storage facility. Right. In 49, uh, the grandstand and the clubhouse were destroyed by a fire. The rebuilt facility reopened in 1950. In 1984, the racetrack was extended from one mile to around one and an eighth mile. Right.
2: Um, That's so the horses can urinate right before, they finish the, the, right before they get to the finish Just line. not
0: the program, guys. The horse is okay. Right,
3: horse but is let's go guys. back
2: to the paddock and get <laughs> off! Go
3: ahead. <laughs> that was around prior to the Breeders' Cup race in 1986. The turf course was similarly expanded to just over uh, seven-eighths of a mile, around to a mile. Around a does card say, does, casino, a sorry. card club casino was added to the complex in 94. So they have like a poker club. Right, poker right. It's a casino. But it's a
1: separate building. Right.
3: Yeah. And that's staying though, by the way, right? That's
1: staying. Well, what happens in the, the racetracks in this country is is a lot of them, in order to survive, have put slot machines. Right. And so at Hollywood, they said, oh, instead of putting slot machines in the track, they actually built a separate building of a right. casino. So it didn't help. Those right, let's get drunken Chinese
2: motherfuckers right. and give them free whiskey and let them get all fucked up and play cards. Well, I like, now they're going to put housing right next to a casino. That's right. Well, well That's right. let me, let me, let, we're talking historical, yeah, right?
3: So historical, The okay. So uh, Churchill Downs bought the facility for $140 million in 1999. Uh, the previous owners of the track renamed their company Pinnacle Entertainment. To concentrate on its gambling. Oh
2: wow, uses. I didn't even know that. But hold on, is there something in there that uh, alludes to why those Hollywood heavies decided to build their own track? Because there was a reason, and it had to do with some sort of a beef or a strife with a Santa Anita racetrack. I they- think.
1: I think also that there was a there was a track closer to the ocean, and then I think they wanted a track closer to the studio. Like there's okay. it, it was also for their convenience. Okay. I think.
2: Okay. Okay. All right, but here's the other thing: a lot of people don't know. At the turn of the century, there was the radio wasn't invented, the television wasn't invented, racing was primarily the biggest entertainment uh, uh, a factor in society b- besides fucking in public. But but racetrack horse horse racing was a big event. It was a big event. So. As as you know, the advent of radio, television, and you know, porno came on. Less and less people uh, went to the to the racetrack, except riffraff. And then they started going to the racetrack, and it, it became a non like uh, social event and more of a fucking gambling thing and you know, urinal uh, situation. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, you know,
0: like back in the day, you know, you had all afternoon to kill on something social. Right, you right. Know, nowadays, right. people want like quick, 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 you know. Right. But, th- I mean, I think, personally, that's, I think, one of the problems why baseball's suffering. Baseball is over 100 years old. Right. You had time to sit there and watch pitch. 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 Swing, and he misses. Pitch. Yeah. Nowadays,
2: people want quick, fast
0: right. action. Right. Like mm-hmm. NBA, NFL, and, you know...
2: Yeah. Right,
3: right. it's a different time. The thing is a different time. I different but, time. But, you know, mean, I was joking too. around.
2: I was joking around, but 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 I'm just trying to give you like like uh, a historical uh, context of where racing uh played in in our time. It was an event. It was something that people did. You, you know got dressed I mean? up?
0: I mean, even you get dressed up. at the Kentucky Derby, is, you yeah, know. that's that's
2: one of the few traditions America has.
3: Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, if you I, had money riding on it, you did it you were there. It was real time. Now I got a friend. I mean, huge gambler. You know, and he's he just he's on his iPhone. Right. He doesn't even watch the games. Right. He just he's numbers. constantly looking yeah, at numbers. to see what the numbers are, and right. it refreshes every five seconds. And right. he's like, oh, oh, oh. Right. It's, it's like it's see, a nightmare. see, oh my see. There's yeah, a crazy. Oh, There's, there's a sad. there's
2: a character that I wanted to play. In Silver Skies, which is this two guys at the racetrack yelling at the screen. One of my favorite things, I enjoy going to the racetrack on occasion. I just enjoy it. It's one of those things like, I enjoy, I don't like sports at all. I don't like baseball. But you enjoy yelling. Well, yeah. But I enjoy the nostalgic (laughs) factor of a racetrack. And of a baseball field you can go to any sure. baseball field in america and once you enter the baseball field and you look at the open sky it could be 1953 it could be you know what i'm saying it's 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 a it's an amazing phenomenon and the racetrack kind of does the same thing and it depends on the, the racetrack but i do enjoy yelling and i do enjoy the the intense you know like intoxicating yelling and getting in the moment of seeing your horse getting so fucking close come on bitch you fucking <laughs> you fucking whore! come on you fucking, fucking whore! come on and then and then it becomes a frenzy and everybody's doing it number 7 come on 7 lucky 7 and my everyone's Coming going the end
0: is you fucking whore. you fucking whore is being passed by white lightning yeah
2: yeah and it becomes this frenzy and and, and it's such an amazing uh, thrill. I mean, it's I I enjoy that. Here's another thing I enjoy along the lines of that. With going back to baseball, I enjoy sitting in the bleachers where all the fucking degenerates sit yeah. out, and I enjoy th- more than the game. I enjoy the the socio psychological interaction between you know the Yankees and the Boston Red Sox and 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 the fans, the I fans, love heckling, I'm the fucking fans. So, so to me, that's very interesting. Anyway. Back Back to the movies. So, Silver Skies. You want to read a scene? Let's read a scene, and then I would like to spend a little time um, uh, discussing. Well, did you finish? Did you finish your your thought on uh, where the idea for Silver Skies came came from? I mean, it was basically you. Yeah, I mean, I just I think it's um, it's just about beautiful
1: things, about valuable things and people. That was tossed aside. But how did you and invaluable?
2: How did you and Pat decide to like let's start writing this? How did that come up?
1: Well, I think I was just getting to a personal place of of, you know, where my parents were always older and I was always the kid that like I wanted to play cards with the adults. Like I always wanted to hang out with the adults because I always thought the adults were way more, more way more interesting than the people my age. Right. And I still feel that way. As even as I get older, I still am attracted to like older people right. to like be a sponge around them. Yeah. And to learn, because right. I feel like life is very hard, and I want to learn and know how, they, how they've done it.
0: I grew up two houses down from a, re, a Jewish retirement home.
2: Oh, Harvey!
0: Wow. Wow. Harvey! Cool. Could
4: you get some of that meatloaf out yeah. of your teeth?
2: <laughs> Harvey!
0: So I used to go there all the time. I mean, we would go there for all sorts of reasons. We would go there just to get cranberry juice from the. Dispensary. For free, we for would, free. Yeah, we would go there as kids, <laughs> the little kids, like right? Eight ounce no Cable. I would go in and and hang as a kid and watch like the Seahawks on television. We right. didn't have a TV, you know, so. I grew up with that and you know, going and hanging with a lot of the elderly there and I'm here to tell you right now, some of these old Jewish women Fuck, in yeah. their retirement home are funnier than fifty percent of the stand-up comedians I've ever hell seen. In my yeah. Life. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. I mean, seriously, women. you
2: wanna learn
0: fifty you... percent of stand-up comics I've ever performed with can't touch these old women. No, no, They're no. Hilarious. But I mean,
2: you wanna learn wisdom. You, you 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 go into any older like nursing home uh be it Jewish, be it a black or something. There's something, seriously, there's something about a person who has lived a long, Mm -hmm. full life. Mm -hmm. There's wisdom in their eyes. There's wisdom in their smile. You know what I mean? They're not fighting anything anymore, unless you're Puerto Rican, of course. But you're not yeah. fighting anything. You're like you're, you're you're gliding at that point in well, your life. You no, know what I mean? my
1: mother wasn't wasn't gliding. She was a fighter till the no, but the your mother she died.
2: There are exceptions, but your mother, your mother, uh, your mother was a was something, boy. Your mother was a fight. You're right. Your mother was a fighter. My, I'm my, just saying,
1: there's all kinds of people. You get to the end, of, uh, you know, at the end I of agree. your life, it's yeah, like what, right. what what I have in this is is six characters. That are all, you know, some in the late 60s, some in their 70s, some even 80s, where they're all, everyone's different because they've made different decisions, different choices in their life. How to live. And so you get to the end of your life and you got to face the truth about what decisions you made, who you are, and it's going to come back to you. And accept it. You got to accept it. Accept it or just deal with it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I I meant to say, you know, when I grow older, I want to be you know wise and not fight anymore and just glide that's God, what i mean I not so. not everybody i'm exhausted not everybody loves house music i can see you up there what I don't want green
0: Jello.
1: <laughs> I want
0: red Jello. This, this is an, an injustice, to red Jello. Jell-O. I'd be like this stupid <laughs> motherfucker. Fuck that! I didn't ask for green Jello. You fucking whore! <laughs> <laughs> You'd be broadcasting from your room, like God
2: damn it, oh you're folding my laundry rug. Actually, you know what's interesting about people who are older and have Alzheimer's is that what I've noticed is that. Like usually if you are an asshole, mean, fuck or miserable, when you have Alzheimer's, that person will now become happy, joy. Like they switch the, you know, they switch for some reason. So you guys have hope because I've been a miserable fuck for the a good portion of my life. A cocksucker, motherfucker, you know, fighting, arguing about stupid shit. You know Negative for Injustice in neg- the world Negative Judgmental Seeing
1: injustice Where it doesn't need to be seen Always
2: looking for injustice Meeting Even though cab drivers. E- e- even though there's fucking rainbows You guys exactly. have hope
1: Seeing injustice When looking at a rainbow Oh yeah, yeah. Rainbows there I'm like Yeah
2: but the red is fuzzy yeah. The fucking red is fuzzy on there <laughs> so, so so basically you guys have hope that I will get Alzheimer's and, and be just happy, joyous oh, and free on the on the second part of my life. Yes. You know?
0: <laughs> Sit there chewing applesauce, loving yeah. life. Going,
2: mmm, this is good. Well this you know they say most
0: of uh, most of your unhappiness comes from the past. Of thinking course. of the right. past. Right. Thinking of the future. So if all you have is you know, if you don't, if you can't remember the past, what's to be
2: upset and about? And that's happening already. I can't remember shit in the past. You know, you know isn't that funny how you remember like things like from like nineteen fucking sixty something, but you can't remember shit from yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Oh, that's so, crazy. Oh, that's crazy. So you wanted us to read a scene? No, yeah, you don't have to. We're no, no, I want to read it. it. No, I want to read okay. it. I want to read it. So set up the scene. Let me know. All right. You,
1: so, so Phil is this guy who was a <laughs> gopher for Dean Martin. Um, so he kind of got all the, all the ladies that were like the Dean Martin throw offs and stuff, which were still pretty hot babes. And so he considers himself, you know, kind of like a gigolo and he, he has Alzheimer's and he goes in and out of thinking he's Dean Martin at times. So he's played by George Hamilton. Um, and Mickey is a guy who's sort of been married for 46 years and he's pretty beat down by his wife all the time. Right. So the two of them are at this golf course, which is on Horace Hyde estates.
2: Who's playing Mickey? Do we know? Um. Not yet. Okay. This shit is like to the wire, dude. We start shooting on so, Monday, so, and we don't have the whole fucking movie cast. That's crazy. So
1: this is just a really quick little. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. This is just a quick little scene. Um, Rich will read Mickey, and Nestor will read Phil, and I'll just read the stage directions. You're gonna so. read
2: the stage directions.
1: Exterior golf course day, parched. Phil and Mickey get ready to tee off at the first hole.
2: Kevin passes by, sees oh, them. Oh, okay.
3: Never mind that. I beat her on the drives, but she licked me on the
2: putts. (laughs) Even I can remember you told me that joke 20 times.
1: Mickey removes some meds from his pill case.
2: Give me a swig.
1: Phil gives him the bottle. Mickey pops the pills and washes them down. He makes a face.
2: It's my holy water.
3: I take all kinds of shit to take a shit, but it doesn't help. Then don't take so much shit. Who the fuck knows? What I wouldn't give to be regular. Mickey's about to take a swing.
2: At least you don't have to wear diapers. You're wearing diapers? No, but I'll be incontinent one day. Yeah, but incontinent can make you sound dashing. It does?
3: Yeah, like you're a jet setter, a world traveler, going from country to country, continent to continent. So when someone asks me, how's Phil, I can say, oh, he's incontinent. And they'll say, when he comes back to the continent, let me know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Makes wearing pampers sound romantic.
3: They
1: look at each other. Who are they kidding? So that's it. Nice. This is a quick listing. Alan, Alan Mandel, Alan Mandel, uh, who wrote Smokey and the Bandit, he's been helping me. And, he punched up and the, and the script a little bit. He punched up the dialogue, and he's been so- an amazing, amazing person
2: to be around so so you're basically i mean the purpose of this of re- big up alan big up alan mandel your fucking bomba clod no ma- alan alan alan's a sweet man and uh he he went above and beyond but so so basically this was just like a little slice of the movie just two guys that you know one's this and the other guys that and they're having a normal day at-
1: well they all have to figure out how to get the money to stay where they are they either go because they want to stay they got to move they got to stay they just don't know what they're going to do so you know i think it goes to um trying to tell stories that have some meaning that have value to life that that reflects real life um there's a movie that is is sort of uh, my inspiration is this movie Going in Style, which was with um, George Burns and Art Carney and Lee Strasberg. About three guys who every morning they sit on a bench in Queens, and their life is boring. And they're like, you know what? Let's go rob a bank. Because if we end up in jail, what the fuck is
2: the difference? Right, right. You know,
1: so which, so that's sort of the it's it's reality. Right. It's like Robert Altman styles like reality and and what people go through. And you know, I think I think being being a I mean, what you touched upon earlier about the the studio films and and all that, you know, it's interesting to think about, I think of myself as a director, not a female director, but at the same time, the history of of female filmmakers is one of telling socially relevant films and sort of pioneering like risky subjects and pushing the envelope as far as truth and what they're going to make films about and stuff. Well,
0: think of how many cultures throughout human history where the women were the storytellers in villages, Mm -hmm. around fires... Tucking children in at bed, you know. Yeah. At my mother, tonight. my
2: mother was a storyteller. You want a story? Come over here. She take out her fucking shoe and hit me in the head. That <laughs> yeah. was the story, <laughs> well, right? Was, there. You want a story? What the was, dishes? Yeah, you want a story? Come here. You what flavor of a story you want? Come here, and she give me a whack in the fucking head, and yeah. you know I'd hear the end credits, the music. Well, I think what a lot
0: of people don't know is uh, there's a couple women that were some of the pioneers of Hollywood, right, right, such right, such as uh, Lois Weber
2: and Alice G. Blas- yeah, so the, which which were which were the uh, forerunners and the pioneers of the uh, narrative film because prior to these women. Uh, uh, black and whites were just shorts of s- little stupid things that people did. They, w- they they really didn't have, like, a beginning, middle, and an end. They didn't really have a story, an arc. And so you bring these women in, Alice Guy Blaché, uh, uh, for instance, and she, you know... Uh, grows from being a secretary at a photo shop to eventually running uh, a film company to uh, 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 starting her own fucking uh, uh, film company, Solax. She was the
1: only woman to ever manage and own her own studio. And still, to this day, the only the only, ever that. The, the only woman, the Solax company, and she she made over she directed over a
2: thousand films. Which, by the way, Solax. I never knew Alex, Alex, Alice, Alice Guy Blaché, uh had anything to do with Solax. But you remember uh, us watching movies on on uh, AMC back then? They used to show movies or TCM, and. Some of those old black and white movies, you'd see the Solax logo, mm. and I didn't even know what the fuck Solax was. You know what I mean? That it's was a, her own studio. Cool yeah. Movie. You know what's amazing is she she did that in what twenty four years. Mm-hmm. She did that. What do you mean in twenty four years? Like she her, made her career was twenty four years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the span of her career, right? Yeah. Right, that's and twenty
1: two of those films of the thousand films were features. So in twenty four years, she made twenty two features, mm-hmm. as right. well as you know. Right. However many left thousands of it's ridiculous. Right.
2: Right. Basically um you got to you got to really google Very this prolific. woman Alice Guy spelled G Y G U I as in uh, like guy uh dash Blache B L A C H E. So Alice Guy Blache. She's a was a okay. French woman. Uh, who worked for um, um, Leon Gaumont? Gaumont uh, uh, still uh, as uh, she was. I think she was a secretary uh, at his still photography company, and and uh, and then and then, and then uh, uh, Leon Gaumont uh, decided to uh, start his own film company, the Gaumont Film Company, and she evolved from that to starting to do her own movies. And when I say narrative, she used to write scripts. She was a writer. And, 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 and would do, would do, uh, am I, am I wrong or am I, am I, uh. No, I co- think
1: she was, she was a writer, but, but mostly known as a director.
2: No, 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 no. I know that a director, but I'm saying she was, she wrote yeah. the, the film. She just didn't just direct like a fly landing on somebody's nose or whatever the hell it was.
1: Well, what's, what's, um, kind of sad is that she ended up, um, her husband ended up leaving her. They were in New Jersey and her husband ended up leaving her for an actress and went out, of course. and went out to Hollywood. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and she ended up she ended up I think she returned to France eventually but she was bankrupt and and got divorced and she never was able to make another film again they basically she lost her studio after getting divorced Right. And she lost everything and she never got to make another film again. Yeah. Well, back most the, of her films were destroyed.
0: Yeah. Well back in the day so many women had to, you know, hide behind their husbands if they wanted mm-hmm. to do anything. They mm-hmm. couldn't be out there and stuff without a husband, you and a you, you weren't
2: nothing. That's right, That's right. Yeah. without your husband. Which yeah. think about the irony of that. You the know? same
0: thing happened to Lois Weber. I mean, she was the brains behind the operation, but it, you know her husband got a lot of the credit.
2: Well, and- she Lois Weber was an American silent film actress, screenwriter, producer, and director. She started out as a as a silent film actress and is one of those notable women directors that that you know, made fucking the Hollywood film industry, you know, be what it is, you know, today. There have
0: been a lot of women that have re-revolutionized it and not uh, really got the credit. Um, One of the things, you know, I I think it's very, very important for young women in high school, young women in middle school to know who these pioneer women were Mm -hmm. because it hasn't been that long in history. You know, uh, Lois Weber got uh, uh, lambasted for... Doing a show about birth control. Well, in 1912, at the time, anybody talking or promoting birth control, it, you could go to jail. Right. The Supreme Court at this country ruled that birth control and talking about birth control talking. was illegal. Just
2: talking about so it. So
0: a, a man could, you know,
2: could have sex and leave. Right. But a woman couldn't. It was illegal because a woman. It was a woman, right? Because if it was a man who had to have fucking birth control or whatever, it'd be a different story.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was the woman that bore the brunt of anything that could happen, and and you know, so and but here we are, even in today's day and age, where where people in our society are trying to go backwards with women's issues mm-hmm. and abortion issues and yeah. all these. Things. Oh yeah, go backwards. But women need to know who these people were. Who were the women's suffrage movement? Who was you know, right. you know, a lot of these early uh, the women feminist have been pioneers wipe,
1: wiped out of history, largely wiped out of history, wiped I mean, out. There, there's a museum. Many years ago, we went to D.C. and there's. Of course, I'm not gonna remember exactly the name of it, but it's a it's the National Museum of
2: the Women's Arts or something like that. Yeah, I
1: have to look it up right now.
2: It's all right. Just but tell it's the a artist. museum
1: that you walk into in D.C. and it's the entire museum is women artists.
2: Women artists. Because uh-huh. you
1: go to the Met, you go to and there's hardly any women. Right. Predominantly men. at all right. as if yeah. there were no women that painted. Right. Ever. Mm-hmm.
2: But women there was sculptures. one particular there was one particular woman artist who was. So prolific and amazing, but she gave up her career so her husband, who's also a prolific and amazing artist in his own right, so that he can have a career. But it turns out she was, I, for, I, I don't know her name, so you're going to have to help me out with this, hon. But but it turns out she was so much better of an artist than he was. I mean, really, not just an opinion. And, of course, her shit gets, you know, washed and pushed aside and all that stuff. Well, Let me go. Was, uh, even the uh, Marion Doherty. Mary, that the documentary. There's a documentary on uh it's HB. called Casting
1: By. Everybody should watch Casting the
2: By. You thing. have you to need watch to check this out. You have to watch this documentary, Casting By. Marion Doherty, the late great uh, Marion Doherty, whom, casting director who we, we met. She discovered, she discovered fucking uh, uh, Dustin Redford, Hoffman, Robert, Robert Redford, Al Pacino, all these fucking people. Yeah. Uh, she directed movies based Meryl on. Street. Meryl Streep, real not 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 glamorous-looking actors and all that stuff, but real people-looking actors, like yeah. real nitty-gritty fucking actors, yeah. And and auditioned them and put them, you know, Midnight Cowboy and 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 on and on and on and on.
0: Yeah, because well, before that, you know, uh, they looked for stars, right. Big busty blonde women, right. Big jo- guys with big jaws and big you, know, you know, and. And they tall, don't do that anymore, guys. do they? Well, no. now, well, <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying <laughs> yeah, is, right? but what she did was, she says, okay, you know, maybe Dustin Hoffman is short, but he, this guy
2: can act. And he's interesting. Well, yeah. she
1: she was on the East Coast. She was in New York. And so right. she she really had a sense of New York theater and New York theater right. actors, theater putting actors. them into film. Real like, actors. Honoring that. But she, you know, it took her, like, casting directors were not considered, uh, they didn't get credit. And right. then at some point they started getting credit and Lynn Stalmaster was a, was a casting director in the West Coast who started being very infamous too for discovering people and doing a lot of movies. And it, it took him three, he, he had a single card credit Casting by, and it took Marion Doherty, even though she had been doing it longer than him, and started all these people. It took her three more years before anyone would give her a single card credit. And on Midnight Cowboy, in that documentary, right. the producer of Midnight Cowboy would not give her Fought. her own credit. Fought. And she asked him, and he, and in the documentary, he says, for 45 years, I've regretted not giving that to her.
2: That yeah. movie, That movie, Midnight Cowboy, would not... Would not. By by the way, uh, John, what's his name? John Voight. John Voight, (laughs) Angelina Jolie's fucking dad, okay? But Midnight Cowboy, I'm walking here! I'm walking here! If you don't know where that line came from, that's the movie. Marion cast that movie. Marion cast that movie, and the reason that movie is, the fucking movie it is, Uh is because of John Voight and Dustin Hoffman.
1: And they they also at the end of that uh, in the documentary they talk about doing a campaign for trying to get her an honorary Oscar. Yeah. An
0: Oscar. De Niro wrote and a letter, Meryl Streep wrote Everybody a letter, and work. no one would give her an Oscar no, because no. it's such a male dominated That's right. Right. And, That's and, right. and they were mad and this is how so this shows how stupid some people can be. They were mad that they about the word casting director. Right. Because like, I'm the director.
1: Right. Well, I think very a few casting directors director are really...
2: isn't a director. That was the argument. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's
1: ridiculous. Anyway, that museum is called the National Museum of Women in the Arts. Right,
2: right. And so what was sad. the name of the artist? You know who she is because that's your homegirl. You're talking about Camille Claudel. Camille Claudel. Thank you. Um,
0: well, I feel so many in so many ways, women's rights are going backwards. In some ways, they're going forwards. In a lot of ways, they're going backwards. I mean, you know, society's becoming well, more misogynistic in a lot of ways. Let me, let me. music and film me,
3: and theater, well, and it's getting back to materialism and you know just just surface shit it's it's less
0: so many women went out it, it back in the day to 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 champion for things that nowadays we take for granted that's why I guess that's my point
3: i just i just want to say this really quick i don't know if you guys saw this but there's a documentary being made by uh, about alice yes alice, there is uh, alice Blachet. Guy giblage yeah. oh really yeah and, i mean uh, long fucking <laughs> overdue well go to go to kickstarter and, um, really? And check out the trailer. I, I watched it. And, uh, oh, it's, really? It's amazing. Ben Kingsley is like, I don't know who she was. Like, like, yeah, really? like people that, you know, you would think and nobody, knows. and it's not their fault. It's just not.
1: Is there, a, um, well, language. well, is th- Gary Don Gary down, is he associated with that?
3: Uh, let me
2: see. Uh, well, while you're looking for that, I'll look because it, it. Yeah, th- it while you're looking for that, that let me let me just tell right you this. Away. So, just just to give you a little <laughs> snippet of what women, uh, pioneering women, or just women in general, but Alice Guy Blachet, she she, you said she made 24 films or 22 films in 24 years. No features. She made a features. thousand a thousand films. A thousand films, but 22 in features.
1: Years. 22 features.
2: Got it. And features meaning. A, a, a sixty-minute, ninety-minute, over sixty-minute 90 60 60 fucking film. That's that's a serious beginning, middle, and end. And and she also didn't she pioneer the split screen or was that Lois? That was Lois. That was Lois. That was Lois. I mean, these are fucking amazing things yeah. Yeah. that no one ever did back then because it wasn't. It, it didn't exist. It's They're, not. It's not like no one ever did because they didn't want to do them. This shit didn't exist. They right. invented this stuff. They were both some but of the think, first to use sound. Yeah, but yeah. also
1: should say that once once people, once they really became popular and the movies started making money. That's when men that's moved out when, to Hollywood. That's when the guys took over and kicked the women right. out. I mean, right. that's
2: really what happened. That's when the men came from New York, to the Wall money, Street money fucks, to be
1: made, the right. men are going to make Look, it. Here's <clears>
2: something, uh,
3: Luella Parsons said this, uh, there, there, I guess there's a quote. Paramount is proud of its only woman director, Dorothy Arzner. In fact, mm. the whole film industry is proud of Miss Arzner who, with Lois Weber, is the only woman to achieve fame as a director? Years ago, years ago, of course, there was Madame Blaché, but we haven't heard of her and heard of her in a number of years. A well, look, it
1: took how long before Catherine Bigelow won an Academy Award, the first woman to win? Well, an let, me, let me let me
0: read this. Let me read this for the, best this. For the best director. about the Iraq War.
1: Right.
0: locker. Yeah. yeah,
2: let me read this about about uh, Guy Blacher. Okay, so you know she directed all those movies. Um, she directed her last film in 1920, uh, and then. Uh, she, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, after lose, she lost her studio. Her film, her film studio was uh, went bankrupt, as you explained. After she got divorced and all that stuff, but it, and she went to France. So, but in, in 1922, but in 1927, Guy returned to the United States in an attempt to retrieve some of her old work, but was, was unsuccessful. Now, in 1930 uh Leon Gaumont uh published the history of his company that's the dude that did the Gaumont film company who who basically she started uh she became the head of that the, of that company uh, that studio company before she uh came up with Solax but uh Gaumont published the history of his company with no mention of any production history before 1907 this upset Guy prompting her to write a letter to Gaumont after which he agreed to change the documents however these changes were never published. The mm-hmm. rest of Gee's career and life was dedicated to her children. So basically, after she, all that she shit, got she got fucked. Yes. It's, the motherfucker doesn't even put her in the history of the company. You know what I mean? This is the type of shit that happened. Let me read something to you about uh, Lois Weber. A uh, film historian, Anthony Slide, asserts that along with D.W. Griffith, uh, Lois Weber was the American cinema's first genuine auteur, a filmmaker involved in all aspects of production and one who utilized the motion picture to put across her own ideas and philosophies. Um, anyway, so these are two women um, that if, you know, you, you want to you wanna learn something about uh, the true evolution of uh, uh, filmmaking, uh, Hollywood studio systems, and, you know, where... You know this fucking psychotic entertainment business uh, came from. Uh, you might want to um, um, check those two women out. Uh, check out, definitely check out Marion Doherty. I mean, you know what? Just Ro- hire more women. Oh, uh, I, I Rosemary and I met Marion Doherty at the Rochester Film Festival back in what 2001 or some shit. High Falls. Hi, high Falls. High Falls Film Festival in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which. Rochester is such a cute little town. Rochester is the home of Xerox and Kodak, two different fucking things. Talk about uh, uh, old being thrown the fuck out. Kodak going bankrupt and 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 you know, bam, that shit. Well, that's another story. We should do a we should do an episode on 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 George Eastman. George Eastman is a fucking which is related to film. I mean, he he he's a photographer, he, right? He was he he was Created by okay. Kodak, okay, yeah, okay, real quick. Real quick, George Eastman, right? Who is the founder and originator of the Kodak Film Company, right? He wanted to. He was. He was an entrepreneur, and at the age of twenty-one or something, owned that company. He he developed a camera. This is at the turn of the century when film was uh, was uh, invented. A uh, photograph. Uh, film, still, still, film photography. He came up with a consumer use camera. This is way back when, where you can take pictures. The camera was already loaded. You can send the camera back to the George Eastman Kodak Company. They would take the film out of the camera, develop it, send you pictures, and a camera with film again, so you to use it. This fucking dude was a genius. Here's another thing. He named his company Kodak because he wanted his company to be pronounceable in any language in any country and spelled the same way so if you go to japan kodak is kodak if you go to russia kodak is kodak and it, and it's basically the beginning of image placement like mcdonald's product identification the dude was a fucking genius and he was a gazillionaire at the age of 20 something all and this now, kodak is
1: bank is kodak is bankrupt it, yeah last year they stopped um producing manufacturing film cameras film cameras yeah and that largely went unnoticed in the
2: media. Right, unnoticed in the media. Anyway, so, so we, we, we should do an episode on that because that, that dude, and it's actually related to, to what we just talked about, so maybe the next episode, we can do a little research on that and have that discussion because uh, uh, Kodak is... I mean, without Kodak, there would be almost no motion picture, no motion picture film. Um, I think it's great that you just paid tribute to two women directors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but back to Marion Doherty, you gotta uh, Google Marion Doherty. Uh, Definitely check out the the movie, uh, the casting movie. Casting by. Casting by. It's on HBO, HBO Go. Uh, Marion Doherty was amazing. These women were amazing Uh, filmmakers, directors, pioneering fucking artists. Forget about acting. Just take
1: an hour to talk about artists in general and and people that took a risk and told
2: stories is a great use of time. So um, unbelievable, yeah. And uh, so so before we wrap up, Rosemary Rodriguez, director. We didn't even talk about all the fucking TV shows you've directed. I wanted to talk about some of that stuff. You've directed Dennis Farina, fucking Anthony LaPaglia, uh, uh, Juliana Margulies. I mean, on and on and on and on. Pipe. Uh, there's a million. Jeremy Renner. Fucking Jeremy, mother Jeremy Renner is like the Tom Cruise of our fucking time right now. Think about it. You know what I mean? Uh, who else? I mean, you directed Jada Pinkett Smith. You've directed. Uh, 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 Dennis Quaid Michael Chiklis I mean you've directed Like fucking heavies On top of heavies And these guys You know The one thing I'll say The one thing I'll say And I've been on many sets And I usually go towards The end of your Of your uh, Of your job Because I like you to do Your own thing I don't want to be involved And I don't be around Because I'm the husband Blah 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 But I'll go in there And the first thing I am I am uh, 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 Greeted with The first thing Is Is Rosemary's an amazing director. I'd do anything for her. Oh, I mean, I, I, I she's amazing. I, I I'm not I'm not even I'm serious. This is this is the fucking amazing thing about it that that that's when I knew because I know you beat yourself up a lot about especially, you know, your job. You have a very stressful fucking job. I mean, you have to go into into a a, a TV show, get a script, like fucking a day before the first day of shooting. So you shooting, starting first day of production on Monday, September 23rd, it's no big fucking deal to you. You do this shit on almost every TV show. You're supposed to get That's a script. It's a big deal. It's fun. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying you, you're supposed to get a script about fucking at least five days before the you start shooting. You did, a, you did an episode of Blue Bloods. Tom... T- Tom uh uh Selleck. Tom Selleck, thank you. Fucking Tom Selleck, you direct Tom Selleck, old school motherfucker. You 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 do the show Blue Bloods, and they give you a script eight days after the fucking show started shooting. <laughs> Cocksucker motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. You know, this is the type of shit. Directors get no respect in general nowadays. Big up for the DGA. Big up, big up for the Directors Guild of America. <laughs> big up DGA. Anyway, you know what? We're going to wrap the show up. I mean, I, I'm, I, we, didn't, time. we didn't spend a lot of time on. I really wanted to get into the process of 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 being a director on TV, and I just, I, I just kind of like. We've
1: been married twenty years. I'll be back.
2: No, but I'm just saying I lightly touched on the process in the past 2 minutes, but I mean it's a crazy fucking process from getting the the script to meeting the actors for the first time to, you know, you're you're basically the guest chef. You know what I'm saying? Simon, you ready?
0: I'm uh, always ready.
2: Ah. Ah.
0: Ah. 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 Looking uh, at my Gucci, it's about uh, that time.
2: Uh, 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 mm-mm.
0: Uh, mm-mm. Uh, we come uh, to an end, MPR, oh, yo. Skid the bop, a dee bop, a Scooby
2: Doo. Guess what, America? We love you. Was it a rock and a roll? Cause we got some soul and we rock till you hundred and one. Dig, dig, get d- d- old. Skid Row Studio, and now you
0: know we gotta go. We'll be back next week for another, another show, show.
2: And remember, the 800, the 893, the 9562 OPP. That's right, yo. So that's a wrap up. Make sure you tune into skidrowstudios.com. Check out a bunch of shows. We got a lot of shows, right, Jeremy? Like fucking 18 shows now?
5: There's going to be even more. In the next month, we're adding six new shows. So how
2: many shows total do we got on Skid Row
5: now? Uh, I think after that six, it's going to be somewhere around 25. God damn. Yo, we're growing, we're blowing up yeah!
2: Motherfuckers left Skid Row because they didn't want to fucking... They didn't want to deal with this shit. This shit's going to blow the fuck up. Motherfuckers are going to be on the sterey You know what I'm saying? Hey, before we go, I want to just tap onto that fucking iTunes. Knock me out. <laughs> 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 iTunes. Jeremy sends me an email about a week ago they and the shit sa- And the shit says... They
5: were pissed, right? The shit says they they, uh, they didn't like uh, your
2: language and your description. Well, they didn't tell us they didn't tell us what it was. They gave you like seven different variables right?
5: They're, they're always very vague, uh, very vague about what it is that the, they're doing to take your your feed down right. But you know, at least they worked with us. They did. And they, the they kind of came through and they said, did. "Yo, just get rid of the fucks and the shit." But shits. No, 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 they didn't
2: say all that. You, you, you sent me like the seven variables, and I went through everything, and I said, "Okay, it could be the 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 logo. It could be that." And then I said, "Well, but, but aside from the logo, what? It, the, the, uh, uh, child, uh, uh, pedophilia, or racial? Nope, that doesn't. Th- that's not me." And but but then I looked at something about um um. Uh, you cannot edit or or censor your own, uh, disc- something like that. And I said, maybe I put the word fuck in there because I know I, I've said, you know, what a motherfucking thing or unfucking believable or whatever, whatever. And I looked and I said, oh shit, I used the word fuck in, in the pol- in the political, the politician episode, which I think was episode 19 or well, 18. I,
5: I sent it to him with that taken out. Right. And then they came back and said, well, how about this uh, shit in your description? Oh, they did? Yeah. I don't know if I even bothered to CC you on no, that. No, you did Because I went through and just kind of cleaned out. up whatever they pointed out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, once once it was cleaned up, then whatever, we need to we need to fix up.
2: that A to Z what my show's about because I what, what what I had was stupid motherfuckers to scientific probability so I had to take out motherfuckers
5: Wh- which is a, a good line but yeah I just took that out just yeah. to get it back up yeah so know.
2: I got to come up with an S like an S comparison like Simon you know like no like fucking syf- from syphilis to, to Simon. To, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. From from syphilis to sprinkles cupcakes, some shit like that. Simon, but Simon's in the fucking description of one of my hosts. Simon, my ass. Simon, my ballsack. Okay. Anyway, so SkidrowStudios.com. We got a we got mad fucking shows. Uh, uh, Nestorius Public Radio is back. On iTunes, so I, I really apologize to all you people who have the who have subscribed to the uh, Nastorias Public Radio. If you did not get the episodes, it's up back again. It's up and running. I, I'm I'm not positive, but I think the people that
5: were subscribed were fine. Cause it was only down for what Like a day and a half or
2: Yeah but I noticed That some of the numbers Are like weird From like two days Before you sent me that That thing yeah. Cause I thought it was weird It was like fucking five downloads That's bizarre yeah. You know but what
0: also, I mean if you're not subscribed Subscribe again Tell everybody yeah. yeah
2: Well if you're subscribed Like Jeremy said It doesn't matter Because uh, it's it's automatically In your iTunes a thing And once you log on to iTunes you, Whatever whatever Anyway Check us out on Facebook Nestorius Public Radio And check me out on Twitter not that I fucking update that shit, but Nestorius NYC. You know what I mean? And yo, have a stupid, dope, magically delicious, bombastic, illmatic week. You know what I'm saying? And big up. Big up to Rosemary Rodriguez and Silver Skies. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Get it all, get
4: it all. Lee, it's me. Ooh-wee, it's me. Ooh-wee, it's me.
1: Ooh-wee, it's me. I ain't doing nothing but talking shit, so y'all gotta like, you know, encourage me the whole way long.